You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of June 13th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my buddy, Jim Allen. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm doing really good. <laughs> All my work is done. I was going to that's the man, a confident man who's content, has eaten, and has all his work done. That's what you sound like. And won't be, ostensibly, won't be going to sleep at my typical Sunday night hour of quarter to four. Well, oh, well, I don't stay up that. Well, it depends, but haven't had to do that in a long time, so I'm, I'm so glad. So thank you very much, and thank you very much to your work. <laughs> <laughs> Some days it's some days it works and some days it goes easily and some days it doesn't. Right, right, right. All right, I'm still uh, in the midst of thinking about moving to either Seattle or Canada. I can't decide, but anyway, on this week's show we have a conversation with Major League Baseball Senior Vice President International Jim Small. We're going to look at the Swallows winning their second interleague title and the Central League beating the Pacific League overall. And we're going to talk about the latest no-hitter and go rocking with Roki. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! Okay, well, I, I've talked to Jim Small. Actually, we, we talked uh, quite, a, quite a lot about a lot of different things. And... Well, I would hate to hear you talk a lot about the same thing. Yeah, well, that's my. You will see people who people who know me know that that's pretty much my deal, just to go <laughs> on and on, Very just possible. to go on and on until people fall over blue in the face. I've seen ears drop off of heads before, but anyway. Yeah, I, I figured you had, but uh, I've sworn on to secrecy, so that you, you, I, I'll have to re-swear you or something. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we I caught up with with Jim the other day on the occasion. Uh, long story short, somebody said, you know, this is the 150th the ostensibly the 150th anniversary of baseball in Japan. Mm. So why don't you write a story about it? Well, this is the guy. This is the American historian who dug up the story about Japanese acrobats and entertainers playing baseball for money in the States mm-hmm. in the 1880s, I think, and or late 1870s. And he wanted me to write about that whole the Japanese-American baseball experience. And it's still, it's a kind of a work in progress. But one of the people who who I thought would be interesting for a couple of reasons to talk to was uh, Jim Small because he's represented uh, he represented MLB in Japan. It was supposed to be for two years, and we know how that one goes, right? <laughs> and so, just to sort of catch up, we've tried to John has tried to get Jim on the show. And we haven't been able to blackmail them or do any of those other things that we we don't really do that stuff. But we haven't been able to, to <laughs> gonna, get him. We're going to have to resort to it. It looks like, but yeah, we, yeah. Sometimes yeah, it did feel did feel <laughs> like it. No, I'm talking about during COVID. Here, we're going to have to resort to something. But yeah, we, uh, yeah, we don't have pictures. Thought. We don't have yeah. We don't have evidence or proof of anything. So no, we we have to do it the old fashioned way. <laughs> <laughs> we have to ask nicely. Okay. So anyway, I asked nicely, and Jim said, "Oh yeah." 
So uh, I caught him on the way to the office. <laughs> so he was he was walking on his way to MLB's offices, uh, new offices. I didn't know they had new ones. He made it sound like the old ones were kind of a kind of dodgy, but <laughs> they were not. Uh, they're pretty high security. They're pretty high security. I wonder what they're like now. If you need like to pass a DNA test to get in or something. But I, I must honestly say, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, so we, we chatted about uh, his experience in Japan, and so I think you'll enjoy it. So our guest this week on the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast is, uh, you know, a man about Japan and, and the baseball world, Jim Small. Uh, great to have you with us. Jim, it's so great to uh, talk to you, and um, you know, you and John have been really good friends to me personally, uh, and to MLB for a long time. So uh, it's just you know great to reconnect. Yeah, it's an honor, and I, I just want to say, so now you're working in in New York, and how has your job changed from when you were running the running the Asia shop from Tokyo? Well, it's changed a lot. One of the great things that Commissioner Manfred wanted to do and, and asked me to help lead is, is really kind of take some of the things that we were successful in doing in Asia, mm-hmm. in Japan, in China, um, Korea, um, and then take it to what we're doing everywhere else in the world. So um, I, I lead our international business based out of New York, and um, we're going to be uh, implementing a, a, a pretty comprehensive strategic plan um, to grow the brand of mm-hmm. Major League Baseball and grow the game of baseball uh, really everywhere in the world. And, and, you know, we're focused on, on you know, places like Mexico, the U.K. We're very interested in India. But, um, you know, Japan is and will always be, uh, you know, a, an absolutely essential market for us mm-hmm. and, and something that we're going to continue to work closely with NPB and others to, to invest in the growth of baseball in Japan. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Okay, well, now I've 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 heard the story about how you got started in in, in probably more detail than the listeners want. <laughs> you know, everything I do is is more detail than necessary. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you set up shop in Japan and what that experience was like. Yeah, look, I I, I am completely one hundred percent. Thankful to Ichiro uh, because when Ichiro came to Major League Baseball to the Mariners, uh, it was clear that we needed full-time representation uh, for Major League Baseball mm. in Japan. And so, in 2002, I was asked to go figure it out. So, like, how do we structure it from a legal perspective, from a tax perspective? All that stuff was pretty easy to figure out. I just couldn't find anyone to run it. Okay. Um, and so I, I said to my boss, um, you know, would you want me to go do it for a couple of years? And he said, <laughs> yes. Now, I, I hadn't checked with my wife yet <laughs> when I suggested that. And our kids were seven, five, and two. And so I'll never forget, um, I got off a plane in, in Switzerland and called my wife, went, waited for her to wake up back in New York and called her and said, hey, how'd you feel about moving to Japan for a couple of years? And reason number 500, I married over my head. She was like, oh my God, that's great. Go. <laughs> so it was thankfully, um, you know, it was a two-year assignment that turned into a 16-year odyssey. And, and um, you know, we look at, uh, most of those years is, is not that we are expats, but we're immigrants. You know, we, mm. we just, um, my kids, you know, 
uh, all graduate from high school there uh, at the American School. They um, all played, uh, you know, the boys played non-shiki baseball. But my, my daughter was really ingrained in some of the things she was doing in Japanese society. So um, it was, a, you know, it was a, a journey of a lifetime, mm-hmm. and it's affected our lives forever. Well, I've been, uh, I was just telling somebody today, uh, I've been here 37 years now, <laughs> and I think I can sympathize with that story. It was originally a two-year gig. <laughs> So, but 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 you know it, Jim. I mean, it is um, it is such a unique place, and people see that when they come and visit. But you know, we all know Japan is not just one thing; it's many, many, many things. Mm. And and when you unveil um, another layer and just see, um, well, that's really special and unique, and then that's really special and unique, and uh, it just it was. I, again, a, a journey of a lifetime. It's something that we cherish, and, and we always will. Okay. Well, let me ask: What uh, you know? You had a lot. You no, know, you had this much longer look at Japanese baseball, and then you then you expected. Now, what were your impressions coming in, and how did they change about the way they played so, the game and how they managed it? Yep. Really good question. So when I got to Japan, my Really, my, my perspective of Japanese baseball was shaped by um, the 1992 Nichibayaku, which I was a PR guy on. Okay. Uh, and then the 2000 opening day, which I was fortunate enough to, to lead for Major League Baseball. I was the Mets and the uh, Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was those two things. And I read Bob Whiting's book like five times. You got okay. uh, so, so my perceptions w- were... Um, I think it, it matched the reality in some ways that, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that baseball in the way that both the players, the administrators and the fans treated baseball in Japan was different and than mm. anywhere I've had seen before. And um, as I got to know Japan better, I just I, I, I not only reinforced that fact, um, but realize that how different it is and mm. how special it is. And, uh, you know, that's from the major league level or the, or the professional level right. with, with NPB. Um, but it's also down, like I said, my, my, my oldest played six years in non baseball, and he was, uh, for the most part of that time, the only guy on his team. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to see how how different it was and how special and and what I think perfect it was, right? You know, the Mm. idea that you bow when you go on to a field because the field is sacred, Mm -hmm. they got that right, right? Yeah, I I view baseball fields as sacred too. Um, Jim, there's there's so many stories. One that has just left an impression for me, on me forever, is my son was um, probably about 12 years old and he had been playing on this team for about four years. And the Kantoku um, was sick and in the hospital. And so I, I, I was one of the coaches as well. So I show up for practice and I saw Kantoku there <laughs> and he had an I, IV in his arm. <laughs> and he had snuck out of the hospital in a taxi to go to teach my son baseball, right? And, and that's the commitment. His son wasn't on the team anymore. And that's, that's, that's the big difference between America and Japan is like, it's it's dads and moms coaching here, right? Mm. This, this gentleman had his his 
um, children are, graduate years before. You know, he was probably right. in the seventies, and 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 he got out of a hospital bed because he had committed to teach my kid baseball, and and it was the most humbling thing I've ever mm. been around. And it's not unusual. Like I, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of your listeners could have similar stories like yeah. that. And so, so it really showed to me the depth of of reverence for baseball. Mm. But it also showed me a lot about Japanese society. And mm. you know, you make a commitment in Japan. That's a commitment, and you don't vary from that commitment. And and that's what he did, and that's what makes Japanese society um, just so unique and special. If you're working at a Starbucks, you've committed to make the best cup of coffee that you possibly can, and you do. And, mm. and it's just, I wish the rest of the world worked it that way. Certainly, I wish New York worked that way. <laughs> well, I'm not going to, I'm not here to take pot shots at New York. My, my wife would never forgive me. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, that's one of the things that I, I did want to ask. Now, how was it... Uh, how was it going home? How was it leaving all that? It must have been extreme. I mean, I was emotional when you left. Uh, it, it must have been quite uh, tearing. It was hard. And, it, and look, it continues to be hard. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to go back twice um, after the pandemic. I was there in March and then there last month. And uh, look, it's it's. I, I'm not ethnically Japanese. And, and I, I would, you know... Um, be very careful about saying anything that would be viewed as cultural appropriation mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not Japanese, but right. it is, it is, it is my home, mm-hmm. you know, and it was hard, to, it was hard to leave. It was hard, it was hard for my, my kids to leave too. And, um, but you know, we've all, we'll always have that. We'll, we'll always have the, um, that experience and, and a depth of experience that we wouldn't have gotten in two or three years. And, and look, you know, work-wise, it's exciting. I, I get to do some really cool stuff now. We've uh, announced recently that we're going to um, uh, play three times um, in uh, London uh, with Major League Games uh, to double down on the success we had in 2019 uh, there. We're going to announce soon we're going to play in another place in Europe, uh, which I, I can't share with your listeners right now, but um, it's a really cool opportunity for Major League Baseball. We're going to play in, in, in Mexico and in, in Puerto Rico, and uh, and to be able to do that um, on a global scale is really exciting. Um, but <laughs> I still miss Japan. No matter what, I will always miss Japan. Okay, so thanks so much again to Jim Small for joining us from New York. It was a real honor and a great pleasure. Jim, thank you, and uh, all your listeners. Um, hope you guys uh, have a great NPB season, and remember to keep watching Major League Baseball. Okay, thank you so much, Jim. It was uh, such a cool thing to catch up with you, and it's been way too long, and I, I just uh, really enjoyed it. Hey, yeah, it was the Jim and Jim podcast for far too short. Uh, it was a very delightful chat, and I was glad to hear Jim's voice. Had not heard him in so long. So uh, good to hear you, Jim. So anything uh, strike your fancy? You know, my initial thought after hearing it was, you know, we've been, or I guess I've been asking Jim to appear on the show for literally a decade. Mm -hmm. So I'm thrilled that we were able to finally treat our listeners to a chat like that. And Mm -hmm. I loved hearing about his family and the wife story from the phone call from the airport was engaging and the manager slash Kantoku 
sneaking out of the hospital and being there for the team and the impact of Ichido and all that stuff was awesome. It was good to hear. What was his his uh his job his essentially was to make money for MLB. <laughs> but what was the and, what was the position called? <laughs> well, he was at first he was president of MLB Japan and then he became vice president uh he became vice president in charge of Asia. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I probably would have liked to have heard about what the ins and outs more of what's going on with MLB and the relationship with NPB, for instance, um, the posting system, how, why did it change? Uh, are there changes on the horizon? Uh, what about that MLB NPB World Series we heard about a, a while <laughs> back? What rule changes are going to be probably implemented uh from MLB to NPB, things like that, things of that nature I would have liked to have heard about. So mm-hmm. I want him to come on the show again. I hope we can get him on again and, and we can talk about those things. But you know what's really interesting is back in 2000-something or other, I heard there was going to be an MLB office in Japan, and I called some friends back home, and I said, hey, I want to get this job. Uh, who do I talk to? And so they ended up having a guy. He eventually called me, and I had this five-minute conversation on the phone and I don't know, I, I know the person with whom I spoke, but I, do, I don't know how, up the, how high up the food chain this person was. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I really got an opportunity at that job. But, you know, I was running my little newspaper in Nicoya and I, like I said, I got wind of the, of the gig. So I, I bet it was the same job. And I, I imagine that they just didn't find the person they wanted over here already. And that's why Jim was brought in to do that job. But I think I applied for that job. Back in near 2000, near the year 2000. The job, Jim came over basically because they had been running all of MLB licensing and the TV. Basically, before he came, everything was about the TV uh, rights. Uh-huh. And that was all run uh, through a third party. But when he, Jim did something, I, I thought... That really made me think, and I was actually mentioning this to my wife, that there's a, a great story. I used to listen to these this scientist talk on, on Armed Forces Radio, and he, he was a social scientist, I think, and an engineer as well. And he said, when you know something backwards and forwards, the best explanation for what you're doing or for the best explanation is the most dramatic one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when you're when you don't know and you're just s- sort of collecting the the data, the best explanation is the one that's the least dramatic. And by that I gave Jim high marks for saying basically thanks to Ichiro. Right. <laughs> that's that's a tremendous answer. You know, why did you come? You know, it wasn't really to it was to negotiate TV rights and to set up licensing deals and which which he and I've talked about a ton. And so maybe that explains why I didn't ask him about it because I'd heard it before. But that, you know, I'm here because of Ichiro is is the, the most wonderful answer. Uh it, it explains so much in in so little, in such graphic imagery that I like that. 
the other the other thing that interested me was you know how do you well, you know when we when we move to a foreign country we always ask first thing we do is you know why is this like this why is it different yes <laughs> at some point but then unless you're like a real curmudgeon or a chauvinist you eventually ask wait a second why is my home country different right you know why why did they do it that way there there's no it's not obvious I thought it was obvious because that's the way it was, but here they do it differently. So why is that? And so that was, you know, he, he explained those kind of experiences. And of course, using the, the baseball coach with the IV on the practice field. Mm. But I, I think, of course, when we see Japanese baseball, we see that Japanese baseball is so much of the more disciplined aspect of Japanese culture mm-hmm. where, uh, but it's not Japanese culture. It's it's steeped in Japanese culture, but it's different because it's you know it's a it's that little cross section, sure. You know, and Japanese people love to point to baseball and saying this is how we should teach our teach our youth. And I said, well, yeah, if the purpose is to raise Hitler youth. Hashtag high because <laughs> because the uh, the flip side of that of that discipline is a willingness to do whatever the boss says unthinkingly and with, you know, it, it's a authoritarianism. So, uh, baseball, Japanese baseball is a Japanese culture, but I I get what he said. And I, I understand the bit about dedication and commitment, although I'm not certain that uh, every Starbucks barista is committed to giving you the best cup of coffee they can make because (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't seem reasonable. Well, then, yeah, at some point when the line's long, they're just trying to get to the next customer. But yeah, I, I hear what you say. I'm not sure exactly how that had to do with my my point, but I, I, I see that you wanted to transition and, and you did. But I, I was just saying that I, I really think that I, I don't know what um, MLB wanted in that position, and it probably wasn't a newspaper guy. No. So when I talked and, and had this five-minute conversation, I'm – I might be exaggerating that it was five minutes. It was really quick. So I had the, I had the idea that they had somebody in mind already and probably Mm. that person was Jim. And, and, you know, I can't say that I could have done the job because I was a newspaper guy and I think they don't, they didn't, they weren't looking for that. Essentially they, they they're looking for licensing and marketing people. And Jim was, Jim, Jim came out of, although he had a baseball background Mm -hmm. in college and he'd done some baseball stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, after college at some point, he went to work for Nike. And so he was in the marketing side of the business. Sure. And the sure. MLB hired him from Nike, I believe. So, And, and they made the right choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they made a ton of money. They made a ton of money out of Jim. And he's such a, he's such a good, I mean, we've argued about MLB. <laughs> you know, we, we almost came to blows once at the two, well, or at least, one of my colleagues said, I thought he thought I was going to punch him <laughs> at the 2006 WBC semifinals. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jim says he doesn't remember this, but it's pretty vivid in my memory when he shouted, <laughs> should I say it? Get out of my face, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was he was very flustered because I because of issues with the 
that that had to do with the horrible umpire umpired the U.S. Japan game in the semifinals in the quarterfinals, excuse me, in Anaheim Angel Stadium. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I went there. You, I think you went over there and covered that, but I was I was back in the office here, so no. Way back in the in the day here. Way huh? back in the day, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really, really fun chat. And again, appreciate Jim. And hopefully he can c- come on again. And, and we can talk about the WBC and the Premier 12 and uh, other international games and talk about Japan a little bit more. All right, well, let's make a four-seam transition and talk about Interleague. And the Swallows on Saturday clinched the Interleague. What do you call it? We can't say title again. I'm not no, it's the uh, it's the Interleague. Well, you can call it the title because I'm whatever they want to call it, the title. Yeah. It's called the Interleague. Uh, the best record in Interleague, I guess, yeah, is the what they call it the best record in Interleague title. <laughs> yeah, and, whatever. And uh, uh, they clinched it on Saturday, and just just so they, they you knew they weren't kidding, they came back on Sunday, and Keiji Takahashi fires his first career shutout, and they beat the SoftBank Hawks again. So take that. Yakult finishes with the best winning percentage in the 18-game format in interleague play in history. So 14 and four, they they run away from the other Central League teams in the pennant chase meanwhile in the central league and you know it's i can tell you this that they did really well in 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 the league i'm so glad that it was a central league team i was rooting for them uh i'm sure you were (laughs) well i i um, i try to i try to be neutral but i do i'm happy when they win let's put it that right 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 and you know i i also was impressed with the way the hanshin tigers played in in interleague and think it can be a very compelling second half of the season if they can maintain a little bit of what they did in interleague because they have moved out of the cellar in the central league and into fourth place as we sit here today and there are no games until friday of this week so we can sit around and 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 just talk about that you guys can revel um but i did see something in the swallows in the second half of last season i think i told you about it i said look they're starting the they're starting to operate like a first place team. They're winning games that way. They're looking very confident. And I think this Japan series title with the the number of young players that they have on the Swallows team, I, I just think it's it has bred more confidence in the team. And they went into that series with the opportunity to win, but they came away saying, you know, we're the best team in Japan. And, and we and remember they're still missing Domingo Santana and and his hitting. And they're still whipping on people. And I'm just so impressed with the confidence that that team is playing with uh, right now. What about you? What did you did you see anything? Well, you did mention, you know, you know, I did see I saw all the games. And uh, the one that got me was you mentioned, you know, where, where's where's uh, Yasunobu Kugawa? And I'm going, who? Oh, the guy who was like their most effective pitcher in his games, his starts last year. That guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're missing a little. They're missing a little bit. Although to be fair, uh, the interleague made me what it made me think of this conversation we had. What do you think about the Swallows bullpen? Do you think they can handle twelve inning games? Well, yeah, I guess yeah, the yeah. answer is the answer is yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can handle whatever they need to handle. You know, and the other thing is we've seen some of the guys produce like we see Munetaka. Murakami, it's obvious because he hits, you know, one of the home runs he hit. I said, that dude is some kind of strong and he takes the ball out the left field. And you're like, yes, we've seen pitchers pitch him there before. When are they going to learn? And he's hitting and it's obvious. And we can see Yasutaka Shiomi doing well. And we can see 
Tetsuto Yamada when he produces. But what we're not focusing on, and I think what we fail to see, is some of the really good at bats the other guys. And that's sure. I just lump them in as the other guys, uh, including Hideki Nagaoka, who's mm-hmm. has played so well at short. I, I really haven't even noticed that it was supposed to be well Nishiura ostensibly, yeah, but he he got hurt and he. He, he's now thinking, you know, he's the guy who's saying, dude, where's my job? Dude, where's my job? Exactly. And it's not like Nagoka is tearing it up or anything, but he hits enough and you just don't notice him. He doesn't make mistakes playing the, uh, with the glove. So he doesn't stand out like a sore thumb on defense. So I, I just I just like the other guys, the whole group of other guys are really producing and putting some real good at-bats on pitches to set up the guys like uh, Murakami and mm-hmm. Nagoka. Murakami hits a grand slam. He gets all the kudos. And I'm thinking, look at all those great at-bats, you know, the couple hits that they got in, I think it was a walk on Saturday before mm-hmm. he hits a grand slam. And, yes, his, the grand slam was awesome. He got this one pitch that ended up, you know, in the middle of the plate. And he cracks it over the fence on a line. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's about what he's going to do with that pitch. But he worked the count to get to that pitch. It wasn't like, yeah, I mean, and he wasn't, it wasn't a, he was still locked on the first pitch. No, no, he was locked in to get there. Yeah. Basically he had two, it was a full count and he got to a full count by laying off some really tough pitches. And fouling off a couple other ones. Yeah. Well, fouled one about, about 50 rows back and about, (laughs) About hey. thirty feet foul, and then and then he took one that he says, nah, you know, it's two one. What am I going to swing at that pitch for? I don't need to yeah. <laughs> throw, throw me something there when I need to swing, dude. So <laughs> it was an it was an impressive at bat, and I absolutely agree. The the at bats that I've seen this year, the the sort of team approach to having uh, basically is the same as it was last year where the Swallows hitters are basically saying, throw strikes. We're not going to swing it, pitch it. You know, they're they're probably the most disciplined team in the Central League. They force the opposing pitchers to throw more strikes than most teams get, more balls in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they walk a lot. The, so it's it's just it's a it's a winning combination. It's a, the whole the whole package, the whole line, and youth. I guess the thing about the youth is, okay, Yuhei Nakamura, their their brilliant catcher is back, but he's only playing half the time because the other guy, the other guy. Soma Soma Uchiyama, the nineteen year old catcher, is really good too. And having, I mean, they've got. Uh, Motohiro Shima is back on the roster, but he's like he's like the doorstop. You know? <laughs> I don't think anybody knows he's there. Yeah, between those two. Yeah, the the support group has been really good as well. So, like I said, I think winning a Japan Series title just kind of fueled a lot of guys, and and we're seeing. Well, I, think that it, I think it's smart. I think it's just a a really efficient approach, and I don't know what's fueling it. I don't know what it is that the pitchers throw more strikes. You know, uh, Cy Snead is a perfect fit for this team. He, against Oryx the other day, he was in, out there attacking the zone. His pitches were not as good mm-hmm. as they as they could have been. His His stuff wasn't as good as it usually is. And basically, when teams come against the Swallows, you know, they know they're going to see strikes. 
And a lot of times they're going after first strikes and a lot of time, you know, and when that works, oh, oh, bam, you know, they hit it hard. But it's a tough job always trying to hit the first pitch. Yeah, it is. And uh, it works out well. I mean, the Swallows, I mean, we saw that the other day and it, it doesn't matter whether you're size need and you're throwing, you know, 94 miles an hour or you're Masanori Shikawa and your, your fastball is you know, is, is slower than Roki Sasaki's curveball. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, Ishikawa's yeah. fastball is about 80 miles an hour. Yes. We, so, we so, you know, it doesn't really matter if, if you challenge hitters and you, and your pitches move and you know where they're going. <laughs> good luck. Yep. Yep. So uh, now it was funny because I think I think it was in this game. I had so many games on this weekend, but I think it was in this game, the Swallows and the Hawks on Saturday. And I heard one of the announcers say, wow, the CL has really improved and is playing so much better this year. They've really gotten better. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but I know they're winning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that either. But But they did win and they won. They so this is back to back seasons now they have. First time ever. Won won more games in interleague than the Pacific League. And 55 wins to 53, uh, well, against 53 Mm -hmm. losses. And uh, there was one other fun fact, which was there were no ties during interleague. And so that was the first time, uh, and I forgot how many years it had been. Maybe maybe it was 14 years. Yeah, it was 14 years. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's the first time in fourteen. Two thousand eight, we had right. Two thousand eight, it was seventy three and seventy one and zero ties. I forgot there ever was a year when there were no ties. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, fourteen years. That's that equals fourteen, right? Yeah, it has to. And that's good for the Central League. They're looking a little bit better, but yeah, I don't know about them playing better. I just know that the Carp are still struggling. They're, they they finished in last place. That's the third time in a row because remember in the COVID year to 2020, there was no interleague play. So it's not three years in a row, but it's three times in a row that mm-hmm. the carpet finished in last place. So no surprise there. We talked about how historically bad in interleague that team has been. Something has to change there. They, they have to change approach or something, but, uh, and then the dragons, we talked about last week, we were talking about the fact that they were in the hunt and they quickly fell out of the hunt. I joked at work uh, early in the week, I said uh, to a friend who's a, lo- a Lotte fan that they're playing, but they're facing, I think, Lotte's three top pitchers. And then I didn't look into the future and see that they were going to play the fighters and face their top pitching trio to finish out. Italy. Well, the fighters and, tricked them today because they threw... They threw Takayuki Kato on four days rest. Oh, it was on, okay. It was on short rest. And of course, well, they knew they could because the dragons can't hit. So it wouldn't. Really yeah. So. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't get a call. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dragons. How do you know I didn't? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Sorry. I can't make it to Sapporo. Right. No, I'm just saying I'm, I'm sworn to secrety here. I'm, you know, I signed, <laughs> I signed a do not, uh, do not what's that non-disclosure you know, non-disclosure agreement so i can't i can't tell you whether i did or didn't but i know that you don't know so anyway <laughs> um really fun 
in the league session. I really don't. I don't want it to end. I, in fact, I, I want you neither. Interleague. You, you and I should go and lobby and say, hey, let's have another 18 game session right at the beginning of August and or just oh. the end of July. Oh, man, I'm, I'm hyperventilating now. Stop it. I'll <laughs> it tell you, because so I, I think the only thing that I like as much, you know, is the end of the season pennant races and that. Mm-hmm. Is the only thing I like as much as interleague. Uh, I, I just I do love it. And the other thing is, uh, as I told you, we we talked about at the start that the Swallows are the the Central League's best team against the Pacific League. Not mm-hmm. not in overall winning percentage, but in terms of how much better they play, as how well they play compared to the PL as compared to the CL. Uh-huh. They entered this year since two thousand five with a. 470 winning percentage against the Central League and a force in that time and a 470 winning percentage against the Pacific League. Mm. Now they have, they are the only Central League team with a better record against the PL than against the CL. Wow. Uh, the last time they won or had the best record in interleague play was 2018. So this has been mm-hmm. recent history that they've been doing this because there were a couple, well, there's at least one time when they, yeah, two times, 2017 and 2012, according to the list that I'm looking at, they finished in last place in interleague play. But. Right. But they in the first, it was the first couple of years, they were also quite strong in interleague. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are five Pacific League teams who are better against the CL. <laughs> And uh, so if the Cebu Lions that starts asking the Central League if they can join, you'll know where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> let's, beat the, let's, let's move to the easy league so we can make the Japan Series and have a chance. So, Ooh. yeah, it was really fun. I, I'm really, you know, again, the matchups were really good. It was fun every day uh, watching these different pitchers. And uh, just for some reason, it was different this season. It seemed like all the games, not all the games were competitive, but all the series were compelling and most of the games were competitive competitive well that and, you know that early on that that fighters swallow series was you know that's that that's the series to beat yeah that, that this year is the series to beat those yeah. late inning home run derbies agreed agreed <laughs> late inning home run derbies and home, home run heroics yeah all right mm-hmm. so enough of that we will see interleague interleague next year what a great session uh, and just can't wait for the uh, for the Japan series now because that's the next time the two leagues face off again, so to speak. So, uh, making a two seam transition, Jim, we had another no no for show. <laughs> Shota Imanaga of the Yokohama DNA Bay Stars, and he fired the angriest looking no hitter in the history of all of baseball. I think it was on Tuesday night. Did you see his face after this game? He he had an upside yeah, he's down like- smile. It's like, I know, it's like, I don't want to talk to the media. Get away from me. Stop it. You're smiling smiling the wrong way. (laughs) Well, he's got that anyway. He's got that little, you know, he's got that little side look that that's sort of his trademark. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think what happened was he's going, look, I mean, he saw Roki Sasaki and he thought I can be cooler than him. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. A little upstart punk. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. So uh, taking care of the business first. It was Tuesday night. It was uh at Sapporo Dome against the fighters. He had nine strikeouts, a walk on 117 pitches, seven outfield outs, and was just pretty sharp. But at the end of it, like I said, 
I had I was watching this one on the iPad. I had to turn it upside down to make him look like he was smiling. Um, <laughs> he's angrily slapping. No, but this was weird too. The, the the it would seem like you know how there's some pictures. I think uh, a Ryan Vogel song when he was pitching with the Orcs Buffaloes, and I, I tried to approach him before a game that he was starting, and he said, "I'm pitching today," and and he fire came out of his <laughs> mouth. And I'm like, maybe Imanaga is that kind of guy on game day. A lot of guys don't talk to him. Maybe. They knew it seemed like his teammates knew as well not to go up and like try to hug him or anything because nobody did. Nobody got within two feet of him. Yeah. A couple of people high fived him from the disc from a distance and tried to stay away. <laughs> but he's the 85th pitcher to throw a no hitter. It was no hitter number 96 in NPB. Uh, Hiroshi Kito was the last pitcher in the franchise to throw mm-hmm. a, a no hitter. That was 52 years ago. And Imanaga becomes the fourth DNA or Yokohama or whatever you want to call that franchise pitcher to throw one. Um, now, officially, this season is the third no-hitter, joining Noki Sasaki's Perfecto on April 10th and SoftBank's Nao Higashihama on May 11th. But I, I say unofficially, it's like the, the fifth no-hitter because we had Yudai Ono of the Dragons go 9.2 perfect innings, and Sasaki threw eight perfect innings after his nine-inning perfect game outing so i'm saying we had at least five this year and there's a couple other guys who took uh, at least one i think takayuki kato of the fighters took one into the seventh inning i know mm-hmm. so we've had a lot uh we've had more than our share let's put it that way and in in, in it's only june it's not even june 15th what is going on out here jim allen well as i i said they did do something with the balls this year they they wrapped them in a in a they changed the packaging uh-huh so they're retaining more moisture and they're probably a little softer hmm. than they used to be uh, because averages are down. The balls are, I think the balls are not coming off the bat as hard. They're retaining less energy from the collision with the bat. Are you seeing this? Or are you, are you just, no, I'm not seeing this. I've heard that, but I know that the, st- I, I did know that was different this year uh-huh. because NPB announced it and I'm seeing the numbers just are flat this year. Home runs are down. That's what's wrong with the batting dragons. averages are down. It's the ball. Hmm? That's what's wrong with the dragons. We got to call Tatsunami. Get heavier bats. <laughs> it's the ball is soft. You got to hit him with heavier bats. Yeah, that's what's wrong with the dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you 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 go with that. I have to. <laughs> yeah, it's the audacity okay. of hope. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I asked, I mean, right after uh, the second no-hitter, I, I think I asked if there's something going on. He said, probably not, but we'll we'll have to look and see and, and keep an eye on things. Well, something's happening because the eye on things is that we could have another couple no-nos before the season is out. I mean, certainly none of Well, chances are, chances are most likely we won't, but I wouldn't. The way things are going, who knows? I think the record in a season is four, so... Well, we're, it's, we're, it's possible. We're, technically, we had the fourth one because Ono oh, did nine yeah. innings. So, but is is incompetent. Uh, I did enjoy the up a run here. Go ahead. You when what? I was on on oh, was it Proyaku News? It was Proyaku News that night, and Dave uh, Okubo said to Kenichi Yazawa, "says Well, you you know you were such a great hitter. You were never no hit." And he went like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Oh no, no! I think 
what he asked him was, were you ever involved? Because they were talking about the defense. And he said, were you ever involved in a no hitter? And he meant to, he meant it as a defensive on the defensive side. And Yazawa-san said, no, I, I was on a team that got no hit. Yeah, exactly. He said, I, I was on a team that got no hit and, and Ansu no hit us over 12, 12 innings and then hit the game winning home run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yutaka oh, Yanatsu. So, yeah. Yeah. But Dave was going, but you're such a good hitter. How how did your team get no hit kind of thing? It's like, <laughs> it, it happens, happens, bro. Yeah. You, it does you, indeed. You have an over and so does the rest of your team. <laughs> but, um, all right, well, let's keep our eyes on this. But I am expecting another no hit. I'm not, you know, usually we watch these games and we're like, well, you know, it's not likely that this guy's going to throw a no hitter. And I think of the three we've had this season so far i guess higashihama's is the mo- was the most unlikely hmm. and you know i took away from the imanaga situation i remember he came up uh he, he was in the running for rookie of the year i don't remember i don't think he won it i'll look it up as we're talking here but he was this phenom and he came up and mm-hmm. I, I think part of it was that he expected to do this maybe in his career at some point and it has been a while he has struggled with injuries mm-hmm. uh, he had uh, an effective season um, maybe that was impacted by some injury that we don't know of but uh, yeah he has had some struggles in his career and I think part of the what we saw on his face was you know what um, I'm back you know, I, I deserve to be here in this in this situation, and and I'm going to eat some more. And so you guys better watch out for it. So no, I don't I don't see rookie of the year that year. Uh, he was uh, he's a seventh year pro, and uh, the road has been long to this uh, to this achievement that he had on Tuesday. So I think that's part of what we saw. I'm, I, I can't be sure we did. You know, he did the hero interview, and he sounded uh, he sounded normal. And he sounded thrilled mm. to have done it, but he had this, you know, Kobe Bryant Mamba face. And I'm like, dude, you know, you don't have to do this. Be happy. You did. Well, yeah. I, I think part of it is just the way his, um, so if you see pictures of him, he looks always the same. He's got a slight, um, his jaw is slightly lopsided. And so it gives him a look like he's sneering when he's not. <laughs> yeah, but that's- even when he's smiling, you'll see that, you know, one side of his mouth is, um, he's open more than the other. It's just the, it's just, you know, people are built, people are built differently. And I think, and it's, it's funny, you know, that you, when you talk to, when you talk to ball players, my experience is guys with, um, speech impediments uh-huh. often have, often have trouble, uh, talking with players is funny. Cause uh, you know, I know a few players who had speech impediments and some of them sort of, use that to be something more like, like a Seichuch Kawa. Mm-hmm. He's got that. He's got it quite, he used to have a f- fairly pronounced lisp, but in other guys, it's always something that they're always trying to fight against it. Oh, I think he enjoys hearing himself talk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he, I, he's I, always a great, he's always a great, you know, so people, people respond to, to how they are. And I think, you know, if you, if you, if you've got a, if you're built with a sneer, um, if you're, if that's the way you, you were born and came up, then I, I'll bet there's a little, there's a little bit in there. Well, I appreciate you making excuses for him, but I, I'm not buying him. Um, I, okay. I, I think I've seen him smile before. I've seen him. Uh, he, he he has been. You, you're right, and we've seen this stoical look sometimes, even when he has pitched a good game, or 
Uh, he's the hero interview, but I, I've seen him smile before. This, this, mm-hmm. this was different. This was, like I said, it was the Mamba mentality. And he was, he was angry yet happy, but mostly angry. And so <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I want to see his next start, how well he does and how he finishes out the season. And most of all, just stay healthy. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to do well. So that was, a, yeah, it was a fun watch. Like I said, I, I didn't see the entire game either, but I did catch enough of it to see that he was hitting most of his spots and hitting enough consistently that again, one thing that I I watch a lot of crime shows and one thing when you watch the crime shows, they, they talk about victimology and we see that the fighters, this is another time. Now, they didn't, they, they were no hit in that game. I'm sorry, they were, they faced eight perfect innings against Sasaki. They Before got they beat the Marines. <laughs> yeah, they had their one hit. It was a home run. So they didn't even lose the game. But victimology tells me that, uh, you know, it had something to do with the fighters as well. So that we have to look at some of these weaker teams. But um, saying that, yeah, we, we had the Dragons and the Tigers, and uh, the Dragons were, uh, it was Ono who pitched against the Tigers, nine and two-thirds perfect innings. So anyway, um, let's watch and out. The Dragons were trying to get no hit in that one too, so. Yeah, that true, that's true as well. And I'm so glad, that's another thing that we didn't mention, it, the Bay Stars did rally in the top of the ninth to score the two runs for this 2 two nothing win. So had they not scored, mm. this would have been a problem as well. But they did get the uh, Toshiro Miyazaki double home couple runs. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. So this was another game in Interleague, another reason to watch and another reason it was so compelling. But also we had Rockin' with Roki, the Rewa rock star. He pitched against the Bay Stars on Saturday. Uh, and he... It turned out to be a 2-1 loss in 11 innings for the Marines, but uh, Sasaki pitched much better than he did against the Giants the previous week. He struck out just five. Uh, He allowed three hits with no walks, but it was more of a, I don't know, sort of like a get-right game more than anything else to me because he looked right. He, he, He did not look really sharp and like he was comfortable on that on that Tokyo Dome mound, and he just looked like he was literally back home this was at Zozo Marine Stadium at his home ground. So he did look a lot more relaxed and comfortable out there, although his pitches didn't tell us that he was uh, at the top of his game. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he was uh, – I, I didn't think he was all that perceptibly different in terms of his quality. He still had a little trouble locating us, I would say. Yeah, actually, to be honest, his – La- a week earlier, he hit some of his spots. Mm-hmm. I would say this time he rarely located his fastball. Uh, he ditched the forkball for the most part against right-handed hitters and went to uh-huh. a slider, which was new. He hadn't thrown a slider as much since last year. Uh, Tomoya Satazaki, who was calling, was uh, doing the the color on the game said, yeah, well, the slider is easier to command, but uh, I think it was, you know, it was a different look. I, I, and I think that the, the base stars weren't really ready for a slider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're, they're basically, so what I've seen so far in teams th- this year is the teams that have good approaches are, I'm going to look for a fastball and wait for him to throw a straight one in the middle of the zone, <laughs> or I'm going to look for a, a hanging fork ball. And mm-hmm. that, that's the plan. I'm going to look for this or I'm going to look for that. And it started, he started throwing sliders. They're going like, T- 
teacher, teacher. Nobody told us about a pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody told us about a pop quiz. Yeah. So yeah. that's so he pitched. He pitched quite well. I think the base stars plan did not include the new arithmetic, mm. and he they didn't score for him, and so that was that. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens. And he allowed a solo home run to Shugo Maki. Maki, but I mean, really, who hasn't? That guy is. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, half the other pitchers in Japan, but they're, you know, 12, 12 of them have. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, no shame in that. And um, and then we heard later, uh, I don't know, I think it was after the game, later between, well, sometime between after the game and when I woke up early in the morning, I heard that they were planning, or Tadahito Iguchi, the manager, was planning to deactivate him to get him mm-hmm. some rest. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot of rest, but I, I really don't, uh, they really don't have a game until Friday. And if they skip a start, um, you know, what does that equate to? Is he going to get a full two weeks or is it going to be 10 days and he's going to be it's back? 10 on? days. It's well, it's 10 days, but is it going to be two weeks before he starts again is my point, because he'll effectively miss the coming Saturday game on the, on the 19th. And then he'll that, be eligible I mean, to pitch in the middle of next week. week. But will he or not? That's, that's my whole thing. Will he, Will he start in the middle of the week? I don't know. That's up to right. the Marines. Well, that's my that, – if you listen, that's my point. <laughs> that's my point. When is he going to pitch again? Uh, I, I don't think it's, you know, just skipping a start. I think they're using those four days of no games to get him some extra rest, which is good. I'm all for it. No, no. I, I thought uh, – yeah, he was experimenting a little this time. I didn't notice he was all that different from – the Giants. I think the slider was sort of a response to the way the the Giants uh, beat up his bad pitches. Mm, yeah, he you know, give him something just... a little else to think about instead of mm. just. Uh, but as I said last week, the same pattern, the same uh, essentially the same pitch calling from from Komatsukawa, which is we're going to not throw anything over the plate to any of their big hitters. <laughs> or try <laughs> try not to, except for the big hanging curveball to. To Shugo Maki, but you know, as you said, who hasn't? Yeah, well, I I just kind of watch his feet too a lot of a lot because remember uh, he was so skinny when he when he was drafted and he came in and it seems like they've gotten a little bit more weight on the lower half of his body, and so I watch his feet and it looked like he was landing better and at least uh, setting a good um, base for you know, letting in, finding his release point and all those things. And so that looked more fluid to me. When he was at Tokyo Dome, it just looked like he was stepping all over the place and either sliding. Literally, he wasn't sliding, but he just didn't look comfortable with where he was landing. And I just think he looked a little bit better in that. Yeah, I thought, I agree. I think when you see him on the mound, he's often sort of testing his balance on the mound, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, shifting his weight from one foot to the other. Mm Mm-hmm. And he does that a lot, but you see him do it a lot more when he's not in Chiba. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Some of these foreign mounds. Yeah. I think. So. Yeah. I think that's, again, that I mentioned that before with Osaka Dome. And I think Osaka Dome and Tokyo Dome the mounds are very similar. So. All right. So he remains at five and one, and we'll see when he pitches again. All right. A couple notes. Uh, one of them is that the Marines signed Roberto Osuna, and he is over. 
I believe he's over here now. I'm not exactly yes, sure. he pitched today in the Eastern League. I gave up. Uh, I think he gave up two runs in one inning. Okay, so uh, now this is a controversial signing. I'm sure some of you know Suna was charged with domestic uh, assault, and that was uh, 2018. I don't know that he was. He was never tried for various reasons, but I don't know that uh, he's not guilty in the court of public opinion. Um, it kind of derailed his career, and now he's here. And uh, baseball suspended him 75 games. Major League Baseball did. And I don't know. It's, it's a tough issue. Uh, the domestic assault, from what I read on Wikipedia, for what that's worth, was not against uh, the woman he was actually seeing. It was the mother of the woman who, with whom I think he had a child. It, it's, it, it's a, was, it was his uh, spa, his uh, partner who had the mother. It was against the mother of his their three-year-old child at the time. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, it's all, you know, Jerry Springer stuff as far as I'm concerned. But it is, you know, we did have the Swallows sign a guy who was accused of something in the past. I mean, none of, none of the guys who come here, I would imagine, we we expect them to be angels. So... Um, this I, is not, I don't expect anybody to be an angel. No, 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 no yeah. I mean, <laughs> only Shohei Otani, right? <laughs> because he stop played. reading my mind. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going. Um, but again, this this is definitely it's definitely controversial. So he's a talented guy. Uh, I'm sure the problem really has never been solved. The, the issue just is out there, but I don't know what that has to do with his pitching and why his career hasn't gone as well. So he's coming over here. He's going to have a fresh start. I'm sure the Marines fans are going to embrace him. I'm not sure how much the Japanese media really, really knows about the whole thing. And it doesn't take that much, you know, of a Google search to find out what has gone on in his past, but it is controversial, so I'm just I'm just curious about the whole thing. I I, I read your I wasn't able to read the entire blog post that you put up there, but you call it an yeah, ugly signing. That. But yeah, you said you wrote uh, the title or not the title, but in your description was it said an ugly signing by the mm-hmm. Marines. And yeah, w- tell us what you're thinking about this whole. Well, f- well, the thing is, uh, I'm not against redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe in people's ability to put their lives on a better track. But that requires, you know, that requires effort that can't be found on a baseball field. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I do not, there's nobody, as far as I know, has ever uh, come out and said, yes, he's, you know, he's making amends through, you know, through good works and admitting his, you know, the fact that he's human and has problems like the rest of us, uh, more or less, mm-hmm. and is is doing his best to make up for it and be a good human being. If, if that's the case, more power to him. Uh, but again, I haven't heard that. The Marines didn't allude to it. Even the, even, uh, the backstory is fairly simple. He was charged with uh, with uh, domestic violence in Toronto. Yeah, I was in Canada. I don't know if it was actually in the city of Toronto when he was playing for the Blue Jays. Uh, he was not. He was arrested. He was not uh, brought to trial because his partner, the mother of his three year old child, and he fled Canada. 
Uh, she could have, had she remained in Canada, she could have been compelled to testify. But since she was in Mexico, Canadian law did not allow for that. So he was never uh, brought to trial. He was suspended for 75 games. And the kicker is this. His team didn't lift a finger to say anything. They said, okay, good job to MLB, which is kind of odd when you've got a player who can throw a, you know, 155 mile an hour fast. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, kilometers per hour when he can throw a 93 mile an hour fastball. Mm -hmm. And the players union, which will typically uh, would stand up and argue, you know, the, 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 you know, the injustices done to Jack the Ripper, (laughs) <laughs> right. If there's any grievance, basically said, member, "Nope, yeah. we're good. Seventy-five day game suspension. We're good." Right. So that sort of tells you where that bread was buttered. He did uh, reach a settlement that had to do not with an admission of guilt, but with some sort of um, substantive, substantive um, acts on his part. Okay, so the the Houston Astros signed him, and they they were all happy about him until he had Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. and then they um, throw him out with the unburnable garbage, and he <laughs> landed in Mexico, and then he said, "I want to play in Japan," and the Marines on their website said, "Well, he throws 153 kilometers. He, he throws 155 kilometers per hour." And he's got really good breaking balls and he has great commands. So why wouldn't we want him? He's going to be a great addition, uh, which reflects very poorly, I think. Uh, again, it, it reflects poorly on the Marines because, you know, the key issue with a player like that is what has he done to deserve to be back? And I think it's an insult to the team's female fans that no one's answering those questions. It seems their their idea of redemption and amends is amnesia. Well, you're not asking the questions either. No, they're, they're pretending they don't exist. And exactly. Tomoya Satozaki on the broadcast on Saturday was drooling. He's going, man, I can't wait to see him pitch for us. You know, who's going to go down? Because it's not going to be any Romero and it's not going to be Tehran Guerrero and it's probably not going to be Brandon Laird. So Adeni... Hechevaria and Leonis Martin, they gotta be worried about losing their job. Well, I guess the other thing is I've seen we've seen people come to Japan who thought Japan was an easy way out. Yeah. (laughs) And that uh, I've seen guys who took Japanese baseball lightly and they could succeed to some degree because they were so talented, but that's such a small number. That's yeah. such a small number of players, and I we've seen it. We've seen Japan eat up more talented players than Roberto Osuna. So my yeah. guess is uh, he ain't gonna last very long. Be only because I see this. Um, I see, you know, I, I know he came from from an impoverished background, and I know he had a very difficult childhood, and all those other things. And and fair enough, but. Uh, I just haven't seen the other part that make up the, while Japan will be very lenient towards domestic abusers and sexual people uh, accused of sexual assault and sexual harassment because Japan's run by men. We don't want to make a big deal about those things. Um, 
but Japanese baseball is very intolerant about players who don't do well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that's going to be uh, my guess is that's probably going to be the result for Roberto Masuna and this time next year he'll be back pitching in Mexico. Yeah, I, I just want to see what happens in terms of the media because we really haven't heard a lot of reports about his history. We just heard about him. So I, I just mm. want to see if the media... It was mostly ignored. Yeah. My day and, job my day job, basically repeated the Marines' script. Yeah. He's a good yeah. player. And Why he signed. He I mean, yeah. for a player of that value, you can see that the, the Marines signed him the reported amount of his contract. Oh, of course, we don't know what his real contract was. Right. But the reported amount, I think think was something like uh, $800,000, which is a little light for a player of his ability. But what what is, as the Houston Astros said when they signed him, despite their zero tolerance policy, was market inefficiencies. (laughs) Moneyball, baby. Moneyball. All right, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that and see how Mm. that goes. And then another controversial situation but it really wasn't because you had to dig to find this story and it's about big boss and he was reportedly found to have tested positive for a banned substance back in 2006 when he Mm -hmm. was a player with the fighters and that supposedly the story i read uh was why he suddenly announced that he would retire at season's end that year and the fighters have apparently again reportedly acknowledged the facts of the report and to that, I ask managers, don't enter doping controls now. So what's the what's the deal? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, it's just a matter of being. I could see if he yeah. had to go into doping controls now because I don't think he would pass. <laughs> but I don't think he has to. <laughs> no, I think it's just a matter of sort of pointing out the sort of uh, silliness and, and people owning up to their their mistakes. Because, and and the point of the story essentially was that NPB went into their doping control. uh, They signed on with the World Anti-Doping Agency in 2004, but they didn't begin doping doping testing until 2006. And according to the union, uh, their agreement with the union that year, everybody got a free pass. Right. No players would be named or or disciplined. Or okay, disciplined. So that's yes. fun. Yeah. They so. tested 100 they tested 105 players that year and one failed. And that was uh, Tsuyoshi Shinjo failed a a test for he he had stimulants in his blood in his uh, in his urine sample. Right. And this it suggested that that was the reason why he announced he would retire on April 18th which is kind of a weird time to announce you're going to retire. Yeah. So I, that, you know, that does sort of fit the, the, the person who was in charge of the fighters chief executive at the time uh, said, yes, this happened. I had the conversation with Shinjo and it was a lot about how NPB was like going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It was like chicken with their heads cut off stuff. Yeah. And, and the, the reason it didn't get a lot of play, as John and I were talking about before, is because Japanese media, unlike the American media, if somebody reports a news story, nobody picks it up if it's a domestic rival. And we had this story. My 
<laughs> my day job published a story, and I think it was about it was either about Shohei Otani or Seiya Suzuki, and I translated it into English, and it went out on the wire, and it got picked up by a number of American news services, Yahoo, New York Times, Sports Illustrated, and so on. Mm-hmm. Nobody touched it until so none of the other news agencies touched the story because it wasn't no, theirs, and they were never going to admit a rival got the beat on them. Right, none of the so, Japanese news agencies. That's correct, until multiple U.S. media outlets are reporting that this happened with Shohei Otani or Seiya Suzuki. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it, and it was not multi, they were not U.S. agencies, they were simply reporting what my company published. And translated into English, but because it got overseas, that's the way the rules, that's the way the ball bounces. And this story was broken by uh, Shukan Bunshun, a weekly magazine, and they did name sources. They named one source, the fighter's former chief executive, and nobody since... Typically what happens in Japan is all the other news agencies will then scramble to confirm it. And then when they confirm it, they pretend it's their story. <laughs> so that hasn't happened yet. So that's why it was limited to that one article. Um, there was a subsequent story in Shukan Bunshin, which they, they published two days later on the 10th. And it said, since the story came out, Shinjo has not met with the press. And we're not trying to get him fired. We don't care. Our, you know, our job is to report the news, you know, and this was a story and it did reflect something that actually happened. So that's our job. And, but it's also his job to answer questions. Correct. <laughs> and he seems to be failing that respect. So, but that again, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I have a very, very good relationship with the fighters, but they're as much a Japanese team as everybody else. And I've seen them tell reporters not to report stories when it didn't when it didn't suit them in the past. Yeah. Primarily the the uh, uh, the the story about Yoda Khan's broken ribs story that surfaced in Taiwan when it surfaced in Taiwan, they told the beat writers don't write a story about it. <laughs> the same so, thing's going to happen to your ribs if you write that story. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not like no, that. I, I, I know, I'm but, but you know that story, and yeah, I, I um, talked to a guy who, who who did that, who did something. The agent, right? No, no, no. Some uh, a team PR guy oh. who oh, okay. talked about the fact that he, he said uh, Hisashi Iwakuma a long time ago had gotten into some situations that uh, could be mucky, and that he ah. went to he got him out of those situations. So it, it happens all the time. It's sure it's not teams just- in Japan will often say you can talk to him, but you're not allowed to say this. Yeah. Or, then, or, or, yeah. Please, please don't write this or don't. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't ask about the major leagues when you talk to Kazuo Matsuri. And I said, can I talk about the major leagues? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the story I read, the, the one I read about Shinjo was, was online and it mm-hmm. used the picture from his introductory press conference which he was mm-hmm. running around like he really was high so <laughs> the, picture, the picture i mean it's not flattering and and short of him licking his lips because he was dehydrated because of something <laughs> that he took it, it doesn't it's, it doesn't 
say anything good about him in in terms of this this particular photo but he was running around that day like he was i mean it was it was wild the way he was bouncing off the walls so i I, like i said i don't i don't think they test the managers right now i'm not sure he would pass but nobody cares no nobody does care it was just it was just a story about something that happened a long time ago and it's more a story about the way npv works than than shinjo I mean, nobody would, the, the story wasn't trying to make him out to be like this drug abuser. They said, what was it? Oh, he was taking greenies in the States and he was taking, the, the, the executive said, you know, do you think, they asked, do you think he was trying to, they had told the fighters players, turn in all your supplements to the team medical staff for evaluation. So nobody will test positive. And uh-huh. he did not. And do, do you think he was trying to dodge it? They said, I don't know. He might've been, I don't know. But when asked when they talked to him, he said, I take, I'll sometimes take them on a day game after a night game to get me going. And I'd done that also in the States. And he said, I'm sorry, I caused all this trouble. Of course, he didn't really cause any trouble yeah. because he couldn't, he couldn't look 16 years in the future no. <laughs> and imagine that he would actually be a manager. Yeah, well, they, and they weren't disciplining. So, I mean, we're going to test, right. and if we find someone, we're just going to tell you. If we're going to, if we find a, a positive test, we're just going to tell you not to do it. Right? There's they no weren't. So, um, I mean, the drug the was deal? not illegal. It was yeah. not illegal, but it was a prescription drug. Uh, I'm sure they didn't ask, "Do you have a prescription?" But it was a prescription drug, and it was on the banned substance list because of adverse health effects. Look, they were uh-huh. they were they were going through the motions of doing a song and dance of practicing their testing sure. and their methods, and he he was just someone who literally fell through the cracks because they weren't serious about it. So if they weren't yep. serious, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, this whole thing about Japanese efficiency, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to be efficient until we come back next week because we just have a bunch of days with no games. So I'm going to catch up on some rest. But uh, we do have one. Tell me about that that rest thing. What's that rest thing? (laughs) It's. I'll write you. I'll write you a a message about it. (laughs) Good. Okay. Um, Memo. It'll be a quick one though because I'm going to get that rest. Um, (laughs) I'll be resting. Uh, We do have a question. A high heat in the pipeline. But anyone else who has one, hit us up on Twitter at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat. Send questions and MP3 questions via email to yakyujohn at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page and leave us a note there. Catch us on Google Podcasts and iTunes. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your time off and then your weekend baseball. See you at the ballparks. CLRPL this time. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.